0: Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Fenway Rundown. This is Mass Live's Red Sox podcast, and your host, Chris Cotillo, coming to you from Fort Myers, Florida, where the Red Sox spring training is being held. We're joined once again by Chris Smith, my uh, partner on the Red Sox beat at Mass Live. Chris is in the uh, confines of his home in Massachusetts after a long stint in Fort Myers, getting a little rest and relaxation, which means taking care of a kid uh, before he comes back down. And then we launch into the long season, but uh, a lot to get to. Obviously, big Red Sox news this week, so we just wanted to kind of jump on here and break it down. We've been talking about it amongst ourselves and in writing for the last uh, few days, but now that it's official, we wanted to pod about it. Obviously, uh, probably one of the bigger moves that the Red Sox have made since we've been on the beat together in in four or five years. So you all know what it is. Trevor Story, the longtime Rocky shortstop joining the Red Sox on a six-year, $140 million deal. story was introduced Wednesday morning at JetBlue Park said it's all about winning. He's going to move to second base so they can accommodate Xander Bogarts. Uh, Really kind of a a lot of layers to this. Uh, We're going to try to get to all of them in about 20, 25 minutes, but we'll open it up with this. Chris, you know, we were together on Sunday when this move happened. um, When it first broke, the Red Sox were bringing in Trevor Story. My reaction was, you know, I guess not surprised because it had been rumored for so long, but almost surprised that I'm bloom is actually pulling the trigger on one of these big free agent deals. And also a little bit of relief uh, just because red Sox fans could finally relax and stop begging for, you know, a big name player to come to Boston. What were yours?
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm not surprised that bloom would, you know, would go for a deal. that was beyond one or two years. He just wanted to get the player that he liked uh, the player that, you know, I mean, you put valuations on players and that's what these guys do. And then, you know, he obviously felt, comfortable giving story six years 140 and i think that that's a very reasonable deal right i mean like you know what's the average annual value 22 23
0: uh, 3 yeah 23,
1: 23 and 30 mm-hmm. um you know with the heightened uh you know cbt based threshold of 230 and that's right. only going to go up from here i mean that doesn't like if he doesn't perform i mean that that's not gonna like strap them down you know right. and so i, I just yeah, feel it's, like
0: no, it's not going to kill you either way
1: you know, it's like, it's not an, we'll see what he does with Devers uh, or Bogarts, uh, but Devers is the guy that's young, you know, and Mm -hmm. we'll see if he gives him an eight, nine, 10 year deal, 11, 12. Uh, But six years seems reasonable, right?
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's, he's 29. You know, I I tweeted today. We feel like just because Bogart has been around for so long and he's, you know, that established veteran, it feels like just yesterday's story was coming up in Colorado. They're actually, you know, like the same age. They're like six weeks apart. So um, he will be 35 Trevor story at the end of that deal. Why to you was now the right time for the Red Sox to make this strike? Is it just product of being a contender? Was it the CBT going up? Was it all those things or, or what are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I mean they were under the CBT the past two years. So I mean they you know you know, even if the CBT hadn't moved uh from two to what was it a two third uh I don't know, two seventeen last year or whatever like that. Uh, even if it hadn't moved in the new CBA above that, then they probably were going to go over anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a year to go over. Uh, they're going to pay the lowest tax um, percentage of luxury tax. Uh, if they go, over. you know, which they are, they're at 232 right now. If you yep. factor in season moves, it brings it up to about 236, 237. So they're going to pay. Um, maybe they go even more now. I don't know. We'll right. see. We'll get to that. Um, you know, you could bring in a, um, you know, a bad contract to bring in prospects or you could just bring in, you know, I mean, you could add, a, you know, you could add a, a pitcher here, a starting pitcher. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's still, there's still other possibilities. I mean, now that you're over, you know, um, with each 20 million, you're over, you get another, you know, more taxes that you have to pay. So we'll see, but I, I'm not surprised. I mean, I felt like, you know, a lot of people called. Gen- John Henry recently cheap, but I mean their their payroll has been over two million dollars for how long here and uh and you know they, this is a team that's gone over the luxury tax threshold. I think 10 of this was maybe the eleventh year, yep. um, in John Henry's um you know time with the Red Sox and how many other teams can say that like that in the past twenty something years, twenty two years that they've gone over it or the past 20 years that they've won over 10 times. It's probably the Red Sox and the Yankees
0: mm-hmm.
1: and the Dodgers maybe.
0: Right. No, I, I, I agree with you there. You know, I think, and this is something I tweeted the other day that, um, you know, for me, high and bloom was going to make a big strike when it fit, his narrative and his, his mission of being both a good short-term deal and a long-term deal, you know, in Trevor's story, they not only get, you know, for a team that, you know, we all think now is going to contend in 2022 after making the ALCS last year and going far, yeah, there's holes and it's a competitive division and all that, but for a team that they want to be, you know, ready-made contenders, he's an all-star who is going to fill, a, you know, a need at second base and, and give you, that story Bogarts combination up the middle for this year. And then long-term if Xander Bogarts opts out after uh, next season or this upcoming season, then you have a guy who's a, a, a plug in natural replacement for him for, for five, five years, maybe six years at shortstop. So, um, you know, if the Red Sox have Trevor story and Xander Bogarts up the middle for the next half decade, I'm sure they will be thrilled about it. But if Bogarts goes elsewhere, they have that guy and you also have, you know, Marcella Meyer, you have Nick York, all those guys coming up. So, you know, I I think when we talk about, Oh, are they going to block this guy? Are they going to block this guy? Like that's a good problem to have. You know, you have options on the trade market. You have options with, with Xander, all those types of things. You know, Xander was a huge piece of this. I think this Trevor story signing is as much about Trevor story as it is about Xander Bogarts, you know, defensive metrics. all say Trevor story is a much better defender at shortstop yet. The Red Sox, knowing what Xander Bogart has meant to them over the years, you know, committed to him, you know, Heim Bloom told me, you know, today we're recording this on Wednesday night. So right after the press conference, you know, I talked to, to Heim alone and he said, the first order of business for us was we're declaring Xander our shortstop. Sure. We're going to talk to some of these top free agents, but they have to understand if you come here, Xander is going to be our shortstop. So, um, you know, guys like Correa and Seager probably weren't willing to do that. You know, I never thought that they were going to pay that much for those guys anyway. Um, you know, obviously we saw kind of a model with Semien last year going to the Blue Jays, moving to second and then cashing in with a big deal, you know, story, uh, you know, it's not putting the ego aside as Kike Hernandez told me the other day if for 140 million, um, you know, he'd probably pitch lefty, but uh, still, you know, a notable move that he goes to second and it's kind of a vote of confidence in Xander. The question I have for you is, um, does this move make the Red Sox less likely to go big on either an extension for Xander now or a free agent deal? for him in the winter once he opts out
1: yes I think it does and you know I I think that they'll still try to re-sign Xander but you know if there's you know if you have to pick between Xander and and Devers you know to give that long term and the real big money to then Mm -hmm. Devers is the Devers is the guy because you know he's younger
0: yeah by about four Um, or five years
1: You know, and, and, um, you know, right now, I mean, you have, you, 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 you know, have options. I mean, you could, you could have Trevor Story go to shortstop and, you know, whereas he, as you said, he's a better defender. He's nine defensive runs saved last year, as opposed to Xander's negative five. So you, you, if you want to have him you know, play there for a couple of years until Marcelo Meyer um, is ready. <laughs> Why am I struggling with his name? Yeah. Uh, he's like the so, best
0: prospect in the organization. Yeah, the I know really, so. so.
1: I, I really need to focus on that, but um, yeah, I mean, so, you know, uh, they have options, as you said, like, you know, when you, you can't just like think, Oh, you know, like, they have so many good middle infielders, New York and, and Meyer and all this and, and, those guys can be moved to other positions too, if that comes to be, you know, I mean, you could move one of them to left field or other teams. Um, Exactly. So um, it's, it's always good to have more talent than not um, more talent. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, I look at it like it, it does make Xander Bogarts, more expendable here. Like, you know, you have an option if you, if you lose out on him or if he, if he goes beyond where you value him, contract wise at his age and
0: everything. Right. And, you know, Xander obviously is making 20 million a year uh, and has been for the last three years as, as part of that six year, $120 million contract that he signed. Uh, I think, you know, the the expectation is that he's going to go up to, you know, somewhere in the 30 to 35 million range. That's, that's a huge, huge raise. Obviously, you know, Pete Abraham today went over to uh, twins camp for the Carlos Correa press conference, talked to Scott Boris, who's Bogart's agent and got some interesting stuff from him. One of them was, this quote from Boris, Xander really did the Red Sox organization a great favor. He could have been a free agent two years ago. We'll see if that quid pro quo among them exists. Like, you know, okay, we took a team-friendly deal last time. Now it's time to blow us out of the water. To me, you know, I know that, you know, Boris, at least on the record, is a lot of bravado and a lot of puns and metaphors and all that type of stuff. But, you know, I, I think this time around it's going to be different for Bogart. You know, that was his first time – guaranteeing himself 120 million dollars when he had you know not made nearly that much money so far as is, is, was something that he wanted to focus on now you know i think he's going to be in a different boat he's going to be chasing that you know one of the final deals of his career and he's, he's going to want to go big with it and uh it'll be a very interesting you know dynamic that'll play out you know are the red sox going to let another one of these homegrown stars get away uh, i mean i think it's possible and, and as you said uh, the story thing does make that a little more likely
1: yeah and you look at it and you know yes uh he took a team friendly deal and everything and so you know he might be trying to get this money you know this time but it's also like you're looking across the board and you're looking at what other shortstops have gotten money wise and like you know he's the starting short he was the starting shortstop in the for the american league in the all-star game this past year over correa over you know all these other guys i mean i think he's
0: still underrated in a lot of ways
1: well, you know, and you look at it, and, and you know, shortstops are getting paid on, on offense, obviously. I mean, uh, you know, I mean, defense does factor into it, but, you know, Corey Seager isn't the greatest defender in the world. He's a negative – I think he's a negative uh, defender in his career for DRS, but – if not he's at zero but whatever um you know i mean look at what look look at the money he got now he is two years younger or whatever so you do have to keep that into in in mind but yeah i think that bogarts is definitely looking for that 30 30 million per year plus range
0: yeah and that's something a big decision the red Sox are gonna have to make i know if we've learned one thing about high and bloom since he took over you know almost two and a half years ago now it's he's going to remove emotion from the equation. He's a guy that traded Mookie Betts. He traded Andrew Benintendi. You know, there's, there's moves that he's going to make, you know, he, he has to take a, the 30,000 foot view and do what's best for the organization. Um, You know, I think that that's, that's kind of his job. And, you know, to me, I just think Bogart is a transcendent star, you know, the best shortstop in, in franchise history. I'm still high on him, but um, they're tough decisions to come with him with Devers with some of these other guys and, and obviously you know as as much better as story makes the team now it just complicates those things so let's get to another topic one that I actually just finished writing about so um, you know a story uh, one of my story stories from today will Trevor story suffer away from hitter friendly Coors Field and today you know Trevor story was asked about that here's what he said I think there's kind of a stigma around course Field, whether the ball flies, which it certainly does. I think more so the adjustment I'd have to make is the toll that it takes in altitude. I think it'll be a little better playing in Boston every night when it comes to that and the recovery aspect of it. Other than that, I think baseball is baseball, and it's played the same at every park. That's the way I've always looked at it. You know, Higham Bloom, I asked him today, is this something that, you know, in the industry is viewed as just kind of a one of those, you know, stigmas that gets more attention than it's actually worth? You know, he basically said, yes, there's a very interesting article done by Aaron Gleeman of The Athletic the other day outlining a bunch of issues and a bunch of reasons why Coors Field and, and, and the splits, you know, don't really matter. But at the end of the day, you know, just looking at the numbers, Trevor Story at home in his career, it's basically the, the same amount of games at home, 303 average, 95 homers, 972 OPS. On the road, two forty one average, sixty three homers, and seven fifty two OPS. That's a drastic difference. Are you at all concerned about him moving out of Denver?
1: I think that article you referenced in the Athletic. Uh, the best line in it is, you know, you have to take into consideration, like, you know, with these Rockies players coming. They're not as good as their course field numbers say they are, but they're not as bad as their road splits say they are. And so there's going to be a middle ground. And I think that he is a, you know, he's an impressive hitter. I think that you have to take into account that he's going to a hitter friendly park in Fenway park too. You know, I mean, it's not like he's going from course field to, I don't know, give me, give me a um, San Francisco, San Francisco. Okay. So he, you know, he's going to a park where, you know, it should benefit him as a right-handed hitter. Right. And you know, the the course field effect, also the high altitude thing. In that article, that it talked about how it, it early on in the season really affects your road numbers as well. And so, um, you know, I, I've always thought of it. I, I've been told by many people, though, especially when I tweeted out after the, the course effect thing with Nolan Arenado last year. Yeah. Uh, You know look into it it's not it's not just you know you don't just judge by home and in, in rose splits and yeah you know I mean he's playing all you know he's playing 81 home games at, at Fenway Park and that should benefit him and you know and there's some I mean Yankee Stadium I mean he's playing games there I mean Baltimore you know, even though they're moving the fences yeah. back so I mean you know I, I just I don't think he's as, as I said I don't think he uh, is was said in the article he's not as good as what the course field numbers say but he's not as bad as what you know the road splits say from there he'll probably it'll be probably in be, somewhere in between and that's a six year 140 million dollar play to me
0: right you know and there was a you know and this is obviously like a impossible simulation and take it with a grain of salt the, the overlay of his homers and, and what would turn into homers at Fenway on StatCast I think he had 24 last year and according to StatCast if he played every game at Fenway which he won't he'll only play half there's 15 more homers that he would have had. So, um, I think, you know, you can expect even the power numbers to, to go up if at home based on that, or at least stay the same comparatively to what they were at core. So, you know, yes, not like he's going to a, to a pitcher's park in that regard. Um, I wanted this to be kind of a quicker podcast just because, you know, we're, we're a lot, a lot going on here in Red Sox world, but you talked about the CBT threshold going over it. They're already over it. So that's no longer a problem. Um, at this point, I don't think that they're going to be, you know, trading someone with a seven, $8 million salary or whatever it is to, to try to get under with your projection of two thirty six by the middle of the season. So at this point, you know, now that the seal is broken, are there more moves to come to you? Do you think that this team, this front office is going to go after another, you know, significant addition before opening day, or do you think, you know, the roster that they have is pretty much set to me? The pitching staff obviously could always use upgrades. I think the bullpen is still a little shaky. I think Chris Sale's injury makes the rotation a little shaky. But to me, the the big area of need there is, is the outfield where you have Jackie Bradley Jr. projected as your right fielder. And at this point, Rob Snyder, who nobody's heard of in Red Sox Nation, as your fourth outfielder. I just think that they need to shore that up a little bit.
1: Yeah, so I wouldn't be surprised if he makes a trade. Uh, Bloom makes a trade uh, for an outfielder. Um, yeah. You know, but when you look at it though, I mean, when you look at the type of offense that you have now, where you have, you know, Story and, and JD and Xander Bogarts and you know Rafael Devers and you know, so, I mean, there's Keke, that is a, and even a and... yes. I mean, that's a good lineup. So can you afford to have, you know, Jackie Bradley starting every day, mm-hmm. uh, hitting number nine? uh you know in being able to give you plus defense out in right field i mean you know with him out there in right field and, and in Kike hernandez in center field that's going to save a lot of runs right and so maybe that's what they're thinking like you know i okay well you know bradley's not a great hitter obviously he they hope he can be better than last year mm-hmm. but you know maybe they're just thinking you know he, he'll be the ninth hitter and you know we will play him every day i don't know um We'll see, but um, yeah, I mean, I think that they they could use another right-handed bat out there. Um, I think that it's it's difficult to project with uh, Christian Arroyo, how, what he can do on out the outfield right now. Um, you know, they've said that there's opportunity maybe for him in a corner outfield position, especially left field. Um, he's a right-handed hitter. He loses a spot, you know, as a starter second, at second base, but he's also very injury-prone.
0: Yeah, as we learned today, and he, was he was scratched, scratched, again scratched today. <laughs> yeah. So it's game, like right.
1: they say it's not anything serious, but it does remind you that he is injury prone and that, you know, he went on the IL with like, you know, three or four things last year. Right. Um, you know, so can you count on him as a right handed bat on out the outfield all the time? So, yeah, I mean, I, I would think that they would look at that. I think the starting rotation, uh, they'll probably just go into the year with his starting rotation if they need to See improve. What You know, if Chris Sale is, you know, not progressing and they need to improve it, then they will.
0: Yeah, and I think, you know, one thing that when I was writing about the outfield alignment the other day, something that popped out was like, okay, you know, at some point this year, Tristan Casas is going to be up. So he's going to, you are theoretically having him take over full-time at first. You have Dahlbeck as your platoon left fielder, you know, against lefties, Dahlbeck starting in left. Verdugo starting in right, Kike in center against righties. You have uh, Jackie in right, Kike in center, and Verdugo in left, or, or like you know Arroyo in that mix playing an outfield position. Like I think that might actually be their plan. You know, like I think that they just need to get these guys and Dahlbeck and Arroyo proficient enough in the outfield um, to be able to take reps there. And, and uh, still, it's a little scary. They're, they're betting a lot on you know these guys to learn new positions, but you know, left field at Fenway is is not a lot of ground to cover. So I think that they they figured that those guys might be capable of doing it.
1: Dahlbeck, uh, especially, I mean, you look at, he's athletic and, you know, I mean, I, I don't see why he can't play left field at Fenway Park. It's interesting. I told you recently that for the 2025 projected, uh, Baseball America projected the 2025 Red Sox starting, you know, uh, lineup and they had Nick York, not at second base. They had him in left field. Yep. Well, actually, if you go back a couple years or a few years to those projections, um, Baseball America had, you know, their projected lineup for 2022 or 2023, whatever. Mm-hmm. And they had uh, 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 Bobby Dalbock in left field in that projection. And so, um Alex Speer, who's the one that's writing that, I'm assuming, is not just getting that uh, off the top of his head and thinks that Bobby Dalwa could play left field. I mean, I'm right. sure there's people the uh, in the organization dating back to then, uh, to when Bobby was in the minors, think you know, that have thought that he you know he can play left field if if they need that.
0: For sure, you know, and and he you know was actually today in the clubhouse a a teammate was acting asking him are you are you working on some of this stuff he said we're really working hard in left field so it's something that is really ongoing in camp and um you know something the red sox are obviously you know with the roster as it's currently constructed they're banking on again i do think they need you know a little more depth whether it's just a couple guys on minor league deals because right now ref snyder Kristen stewart guys like that i think um are your candidates and and jaron duran still a little bit of a forgotten man but that's a conversation for another day we are as this is released will be two weeks from opening day i'll be here in fort myers uh for one more week and then chris smith will come down for the last five days as always follow all our stuff on MassLive.com. thanks for listening